I'm Casey Forbes. And I'm Ada. That's right. Cousin Ada is here. Cousin Sarah is not here, which you nope. all don't know her as Cousin Sarah. You just know her as Sarah. Um, so Sarah and Sarah's good friend, because their daughters are best friends, got conned into going to Anime Con in Atlanta. <laughs> And at first when Sarah texted me, I thought she said Animal Con because we both love animals. And I'm like, why didn't I get an invite? And then I reread it and it said Anime Con. Anime. Yeah. So I texted Sarah yesterday. Yes. I saw that. I said, how is everything going? And she texted back and said, well, I just saw someone wearing a diaper. So that's how it's going. (laughs) Tell me this. When did 12 year old girls get into anime? I'm confused. I don't know. I don't know anything about anime. Do you? Or you? I don't. I really don't. Okay. I had a friend in high school who loved anime, but I never could get into it. I don't know. Is it just cartoons? I don't understand. I guess. I don't either. We we are not the right. <laughs> we um, are not the people. To but talk I wouldn't about. have pictured like like twelve year old girls being into anime. And but I no. Have... But I mean, yeah, because I was in high school and she was what thirteen, fourteen, and my friend was really into anime. Oh, so yeah, okay. and, well, I, I might need to do some more <laughs> research on that because I'm like anime con. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I might. Try Try and call Sarah and get an update. Well, hello, Miss Anime Con Mom. How's it going? <laughs> oh, I'm here. So, first of all, Sarah, do tell us what exactly is anime? So, anime is uh, like a Japanese animation kind of thing. Okay, so it's not like some Southern charm type stuff like anime. That's what I keep thinking, like <laughs> anime <laughs> creations or something. Okay, we're not, not like at a, a we're not no. like a market for cute clothes. Okay. No, this is the furthest thing from that, actually. Okay, and um, how does it, like, is it really popular with 12-year-old girls? Yes, actually, because wow. all of Olivia and her friends are all about this stuff. So, so all her friends are jealous now. <laughs> so I booked a weekend trip for her birthday, and her best friend Riley is here with us. And we, so we just took a girl's trip, because I've really been wanting to travel lately. Yeah. So uh, that's what we did, and... I am here with the anime people. And <laughs> <Not> loving it. <laughs> well, I mean, I and just want to know what what are some of the sites? I know we have the man walking okay. around in a diaper. Well, I mean, like I couldn't even begin to tell you because I don't know any of these characters. So, like, there are people in these elaborate costumes. I mean, cosplay like they are full on in it. Not only are they full, on, it's like it's almost like a. Um, of video video game characters is what they remind me of because they're walking in with like these uh ma- like handmade weapons and stuff to go with their outfits, but mm-hmm. they have like a weapons check for the, ma- <laughs> the oh, my God. oh to make sure that they're not real. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> I'm looking at a guy who made like a, a chainsaw helmet just now. <laughs> like Sarah, can can you bend over so we can check to make sure that's not <laughs> like super spiky? Yeah. Like, you're not going to just try and ram a bunch of people. She needs to video this. It is. It is. I mean, I wish y'all could see this kind of stuff. Liv came today so we could take pictures and stuff because she wants to show her friends all of the characters and stuff. So I'll take pictures and keep y'all posted. Please do. Um, Are there a bunch of kids there? Yeah. Today's Saturday. So there's like more kids there. Okay. Yesterday, because it was Friday, there was just a few. But yeah, apparently not everybody pulls their kids out of school to come and do this kind of stuff. So you are definitely mom of the year because I can tell you. <laughs> if, you should tell Liv that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to let her know. Like, girl, do you know how many moms would bring their daughters to Anime Con? I'm just putting it out there. <laughs> not well, very many. Say, my mother would never. <laughs> 
could do an entire podca- podcast episode of your mom's reactions there. Oh like, God. if we could just film her reaction, it would be hysterical. that would be amazing. <laughs> well, we don't want to keep you from the fun, so have All fun. Right. Please take lots of pictures, because I want to see oh, this. All right, we'll talk to you later. <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. Well, oh, there you have it. <laughs> yeah, if you're thinking about going, there you go. So this week, we are covering a case that is local, somewhat local. It's in Louisiana. It's not terribly local, but... How far is Alexander? About two hours, Okay, if I'm not mistaken. And is it towards Texas? Yes. Or just north? No, it's towards Texas. Okay. I believe. (laughs) Y'all, we don't... Geography's not really our thing. (laughs) Um, I just know that you go through Alexandria to get to Natchitoches. So it's kind of... I think it is going more west. A little bit northwest, probably. Yeah, something like that. Okay, so we covered... Sarah and I covered the Delphi murders. The Delphi murders, it's in Delphi, Indiana. Two girls, Libby and Abby, they were 13 and 14. It was a, a day off of school. So they decided to go on this very famous for them hiking trail. Their bodies were discovered later that day. But before they were discovered, one of the girls had the wherewithal to pull out their phone and record audio, record video of like a man walking towards them. Oh, wow. But I mean, it, the case has just gone cold. They've done everything their power to track this person down who could have done this and they just haven't been able to to figure it out until Uh now there has been an arrest made now this is according to fox news it says quote an indiana man is reportedly in custody in connection with the delphi murders of two young girls in 2017 so the night before the girls went to this hiking trail one of the girls was on social media talking to someone who presented a picture of himself it wasn't who he was but it was a 27 year old man named keegan klein he was arrested he lived near the location where the girls were killed and he had been previously linked to the delphi murders they have i guess text or direct messages where he allegedly made plans to meet up with with one of the girls on the bridge close to where her body was found but he denies having anything to do with the girl's murder so was this close to their house that they could walk? No, their sister had, um, one of the girl's sisters dropped them off. Dropped them off. Because the plan was, which this just, this seems crazy to me only right? because I don't hike. I'm not a fan of bears or mountain lions. <laughs> but the sister had work, so she dropped them off in the morning and the plan was for one of the girl's dads to pick them up in the evening. And it was like a six or seven hour difference. But that's how long they say it would have taken to hike these trails. That's crazy to me. I know. That, I mean, I know 13 and 14 maybe is a lot older than, mm-hmm. you know, eight. But I'm just thinking dropping off your kids like that for that long. So there's another guy, too. This is what I read. The Klein guy is the one who was talking with them on social media. But there's a man named Richard Allen, who is 50, who is also in custody in connection with the murders. Dang. So you're saying there's two men in custody? Yes. So according to Fox News, there are two men in custody. There is Richard Allen, 50, who they're supposedly going to do a press conference on Monday. So as of right now, we don't know what his affiliation is with it. Had they done this before? Had they hiked there before? Oh, yeah. Yeah. This is a well-known hiking spot. So it wasn't, I mean, they Mm -hmm. had to cross this old bridge. It wasn't a bridge. It was like a um, train track, but it was really high up, but it wasn't used anymore. And I mean, everyone in this area knows this hiking trail. It's very common. I think it happened in like February. So it was probably a little bit chilly during that time. I mean, you grew up in Chicago. I mean, February up there is, is really cold. 
So there obviously wasn't a lot of people out there that day. But so far, what we know now is that there have been two men that have been arrested in connection with these murders. One is a very hopeful lead because, I mean, if he was catfishing her and the next day, you know, she mysteriously died when they were supposed to meet up. Yeah. But it's like, how does the second guy come into play? That's that's interesting. We will follow this and we'll keep you all updated. So how do you do this? Do you like follow up on all these murders that you that you guys talk about? Not very often. If we come across something, we'll follow up on it. But like this just came across like, oh, we covered this. We need to that there was an arrest made. So but the case that we're covering today, it's actually a girl by the name of Courtney Coco. That's such a cute name. That's her last name. Coco. C-O-C-O. How cute. It's adorable. I know. She was so cute. She was, and she was my age. Like, we graduated at the same time. So, today I'm going to reference, it's called Still a Mystery. It's season four, episode seven, Far From Home. If you have any questions about that, you can find it on Discovery+. Plus. And it's actually, they cover two cases at a time. We're just co- covering Courtney because this is something that is close here. Yeah. So, Courtney Coco grew up in Alexandria, Louisiana. She was the youngest of three girls. Her outgoing personality makes it easy for her to always make friends. What we are told is she is extremely athletic and she was an excellent gymnast. She was very popular a high school student after graduating in 2003 she enrolled at a college called northwestern state university which is probably i think an hour because when we go to when we would go to visit my brother and sister both graduated from there and when we would go to visit them we would get to alexandria and always knew we had about an hour left i didn't know that it's such a pretty little town she enrolled at northwestern and she majored in criminal justice she told her family that she wanted to study the minds of serial killers i found that so ironic. True crime is not something that I realized I was really into until I became an adult because I can remember watching things on TV and my mom's like, turn that off. <laughs> you know? Yeah. That is so dark. Turn it off. Morbid. Yeah. So I thought I was weird for a long time. And now as an adult, I'm like, there's an entire group of us that are watching. And like the contents in his stomach was was still was uneaten. And my mom's like, that is disgusting. Turn it off. So I'm glad it's not just me. Okay. I I think Maddie said at some point that she wanted to be a criminologist. I don't know. You know, I thought about that, too. I like more of the storytelling side of it. Yeah, you don't want to actually. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to smell the smells. Um, no. I don't want to have to talk to someone who might be a killer. I just want to like sit behind a microphone and talk about and, it. And talk about it. Yep. I wish I would have done something more like in journalism where like I would love to be I say I don't want to talk to people, but like, I like, I love Dateline. That's like one of my all time favorite shows. But be like a part of like a true crime show where we put together the show and find out the facts. I don't know. Yeah. That would be fascinating. That but, would be fun. But to be the one who puts the puzzle pieces together, no, because I hate puzzles. No, I've never been good at them. <laughs> like, urgh. so at 18, Courtney moved a few miles up the road from her parents into just a little brick house. She worked full time as a receptionist at a dental office and she went to school. She was smart, she was bright. She was independent. Well, at 19, all that came to an end, unfortunately. So So she was 19 when she died. Yes, she was 19. Mm -hmm. On Friday, October 1st, 2004, Courtney's parents were going camping. Courtney agreed to come over and take care of their dog. And her mom was one of the last people to see her alive. The last time she saw her was in her driveway um, on that Friday at 3.30. I love you. Have a good weekend. Don't forget to feed the dogs. And they left. Just a normal weekend. When they came back, her mom noticed, wow, it's just odd because the dogs are like really hungry. 
angry yeah. more than normal. But she didn't really think too much into it because your mind doesn't auto... Well, mine does. But most people's minds don't automatically think, oh my God, the dogs didn't eat today. They're, my daughter must have been murdered. Right. You exactly. Know? Your brain doesn't go there. My dad's does. Let's be honest. <laughs> 100%. But it's Monday, October 4th. And Courtney's mom gets a phone call from the Alexandria Police Department. And they ask to speak to Courtney. And she says, well, Courtney doesn't live here. But I mean, is something wrong? And the police officer says, we found a female body in a place called Winnie, Texas, which is 200 miles away. Your daughter's graduation ring is on this body. And so, so I'm guessing it had the name on yes. the ring. Okay. And I don't know how you, I don't know if there's, because it probably didn't have her last name. It that, probably yeah. just had Courtney 2003. But there, I bet there's a way to track that through the ring company. You like think? if there's a serial number. You think it's that fancy? Because I don't even know like where my ring is. There. It's just strange how they were able to track mm-hmm. it down so quick. To it was her, fast. Yeah. yeah. And Courtney's mom was like, no, that's not her. Someone must have stole it. Stole there's no way. Ring. So on October 5th, which is that Tuesday, Courtney's uncle, who was a U.S. Marshal, he drove to Texas with two Alexandria officers. The point of it was to identify her body. So the family just sat around waiting for the phone to ring. It was just probably the worst couple of hours of their lives. I hate the beginning of these stories. I know. I just it's couldn't even imagine. It's so heartbreaking. It is. Just the shock that this family is going to go through. So her aunt answers the phone when it rings and her uncle said it is definitely Courtney. She was just 19 years old. And the question was, was like, how in the world that she had no associations or ties. Alexandria and Natchitoches, they're not that far from t- the Texas border, but they're not super close. 200 I mean, miles is not a quick right. know, jump I mean, in the car. Right. I mean, that's a good Let's little go drive. To, yeah. <laughs> she was found in a building that had been abandoned for 15 years. The manner of her death was concluded by the medical examiner to be murder, but how she was murdered couldn't be determined because of the advanced state of decomposition, which kind of pay attention to that because... Yes. I was thinking, I'm like, it's like three days? Yes. I'll be able to tie this in at the very end. Okay, I'm glad I I noticed it. We have an update on this. There is an answer to it. Yeah, okay. Courtney's softball coach was the funeral director where she was going to have her funeral. And the family was advised, we can't tell you you can't come in and like see your daughter. But as your friend, I'm telling you, you don't want to. It's, you don't want this last memory. Who has seen this girl? Well, it's very interesting. Yeah. You know, I get torn with that because I'm the type of person that I need to see like I need the finality of it because if I don't see it I don't it's not real to me and it's like I don't I can't my brain just can't process that this person is permanently gone I would I don't think I could live with not knowing right I think I I would have to see but at the same time like if it's if you're a mother and that's your child it's like is that how you want to be your last memory of them her mother decides not to see her And she has never seen her since that day on Friday where she kissed her, told her she loved her and said, hey, don't forget to come and feed the dogs. In autopsy indicated that there were no drugs in her system. There were no marks on her body. So she wasn't strangled and she had not been sexually assaulted, but her body was partially nude and she was displayed like in a provocative position. Right. And the family does go into detail about this. I just don't really want to. I mean, just she was displayed everywhere. It was pretty awful. Oh, see, so yeah. And it didn't cover that, did it? In the- yeah. Well, the grandma said that 
like her legs were spread open yeah. and it, it was just almost meant to embarrass her just yeah. the position she was put in so alexandria detectives deduced that she was last seen during the early morning of that saturday after going around and talking to her friends talking to anyone who may have seen her she was seen early saturday morning they know that she had invited some friends over to play dominoes and that kind of went into saturday the last person that she was seen with was her best friend in the series they call her Jackie I don't know if that's really her name but Jackie tells detectives that they were driving around and they were both smoking weed but that goes against what the toxicologist said the toxicologist said yeah there may have been like alcohol in her system there was no drugs so that just doesn't jive with what the science is telling us yeah so her best friend is brought in for an interrogation but the family is pretty annoyed with the police because the best friend's family Jackie's family is friends with members of the police so they don't like interrogate her hard like we never get to the bottom of why are you saying she was smoking weed which would have showed up in a toxic like yeah where did this we need i guess the accountant and me like i want to account for every last penny where's the discrepancy between we were smoking weed no we no you weren't so and you would think that a a detective that actually wants to solve a case yes follow that would follow up on this would, would keep on it and, and clear it's it like clear. okay it's it's not like it's that big of a jump it's yeah either the toxicology report is or the toxicology is false yeah. or the best friend is not telling the truth yeah. one or the other um so courtney's funeral was held on october 8th 2004 this is four days after her body was found there were undercover police that were there just to notice if anyone anything was odd anyone they don't know shows up while the family was grieving they were just on edge the whole time it was just because they were like was it you was it yeah. you yeah Courtney's grandfather actually had a heart attack at the grave site. I don't know if it gets more heartbreaking than that. No, he never oh reco- he never fully recovered from it. I mean, he has passed away since then. I, we don't know if it's related to the heart attack. Right. They didn't really dive into that. So we're not really sure. Well, it's been a long time. It's been, right, gosh, right. How many years now? But they did say he never fully recovered from the stress right. and the heartbreak of that. On October 12th, police discover what could have been a potential lead, and that was Courtney's car. It was a 1999 Pontiac Bonneville. It was discovered 250 miles from her home in Houston, Texas, and there were two people driving it. The family is made aware of this. The people that are driving it are arrested and brought in. The family doesn't know who these people are. It's a couple, and they say, look, we bought this car for four crack rocks. They were put in jail, and they were told, you're you're not leaving this jail till you can give us some sort of description of who sold you this car. And again, it just kind of falls to the wayside because these people are released. They get a general description, but there's no composite sketch and there's nothing concrete. Well, we think this, we think that. They're just let go. So... Like, here's my question. I know maybe I watch too many, like, TV shows that aren't maybe based on truth. But, like, wouldn't there be, I don't know, fingerprint something? Like, you would think. I'm not really. Figure out a way to find out. It just seems like they didn't. They didn't. Try. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Because to me, you've got two witnesses of who potentially was. Yeah, the killer. letting you go. Now, maybe there's legal precedence in that saying, well, you can't hold these people. But it's like, no, they are, as far as I'm concerned, until you can prove me wrong, you are attached to a murder. You're not leaving here until we get this resolved, period. But again, maybe that's just my accountant brain going, we have to account for every square inch. But, you know, inside 
Courtney's car, there was a newspaper article about the murder of one of her friends. So that was insane. That was bizarre. Her friend was a girl. She was 20 years old. Her name was Shamika Garnett. And Shamika's body was found on August 13th, 2004. This is this is like six weeks apart. And Courtney was seen with Shamika the day before she her body was discovered. So when I heard that, I was like, what kind of people are you hanging around with, Courtney? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, what the heck? Or is it a serial killer? Or... So in less than two months, there were two friends that were murdered. Both their cars were stolen. Both their bodies were partially nude and they were posed. And Courtney was seen with Shamika the night before she was killed. So is there a tie there? Like, did Courtney know something that no one else knew? knew did she witness something and was now being pressured to be silent Courtney did complain to her aunt that she didn't care for the people that Shamika was friends with some of them made her feel very uncomfortable and at one point her dog was actually killed according to Courtney there's no evidence of this but Courtney says that she felt like her dog had been there, there was no reason for this dog to die they didn't give like the manner of death but that that's what she told family members and her family begged her to move home but she's like I live three miles from you I mean yeah. I'm close enough to where you can keep an eye out for me but Courtney's house by this time by mid-October it was still marked off no one in the family was allowed to go in and her sister said look she's got a cat in there can I just go get the cat so is that weird too? I don't know. I would think that, well, first of all, I would think that they would have already known there was a cat in there because they should have already gone in there and searched it. Well, that plus the fact that it's been closed off for so long. It was like 18 days. Yeah, it was completely, to me, it's like, do y'all just don't have the manpower to go in there? Because this should be a top priority. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you should have all the pictures you need and all of it, like all of that should have been, right, documented. Well, yeah, because I mean, the further away you get from the crime, the harder yeah. it is to solve it because evidence gets diluted and yeah. people could break in. I mean, it's not like they had it, they just right. had it marked off. I think that's strange, but I don't know the reason behind it. Yeah. Um, I think it's weird that the sister had to tell them, hey, there's a cat in there, which tells me nobody's been in there. Unless the cat was hiding when they went in there. But I would think that the smell of the cat litter or something, like somebody would have known something. Would a cat survive for 18 days without someone this is all strange yeah that is odd because i mean unless it was drinking water from the um water or it had access to get in and out i don't really know but what is odd is that the sister said her comforter's missing off her bed the tv was on so the tv had been on for 18 days and her blue jeans were like right by the bed it's like she took them off and just threw them down so the story it does it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense it's almost like this girl was murdered and nobody took it serious like because we just Mm -hmm. oh well we'll go check that house in a couple of days. We're, we're flooded. It's like, no, this girl was murdered. We need to take care of this now. In December of 2005, so this is over a year later, we find out that there was a disagreement between police in Texas and police in Louisiana regarding who was responsible for this case. And I don't know if they were saying, no, it's our case. No, it's our case. Or they were saying, no, it's your case. No, it's your case. But eventually the Louisiana police stepped up. But in the meantime, Courtney's family, you know, waiting on police to do something. So you can imagine how well treated this case was right for a year there was just arguments about who covers about jurisdiction exactly it took that long to determine who and they're like well louisiana (sighs) police stepped up i'm like it doesn't y'all should have texas and louisiana should have stepped up when this happened and said hey let's just have fine communication here yeah this is y'all's responsibility what y'all need from us in texas we will provide with provide for the family had requested courtney's phone records they said she was always on her phone this is 2004 i try to remember back that far i wasn't as obsessed with my phone 
then as I am now, because I think I had like 2004, I was 19. So I don't even know if I was able to, I think that's when text messaging had just started. I did not have a smartphone at the time. I wasn't on, there wasn't a social media presence. So they said she was on her phone a lot, but maybe Maybe, not. Maybe just texting with friends. Maybe Maybe so. Just constantly. I mean, I could see that. Well, they say that she was, her phone was very active. And then at 4 a.m. on that Saturday morning, it just goes dead. Yeah. And then all of a sudden there are four back-to-back calls to different numbers and then it's done. And the family brought this to law enforcement. They just didn't seem interested. Now, I'm not saying that they weren't already aware of this. They may have been and they may have already looked into it. We, We don't know because they never come out. But then the story just stops. A decade passes. There's nothing new. So in 2017, the lead detective in Courtney's case shares a startling new development with her family. This is where things just get even more odd. They tell them that there's a new toxicology report that claimed she died of a drug a drug overdose. What are you talking about? Did y'all exhume her? And yeah, did you do an and and did you find some of her blood? Uh, like in where we reference this stuff, I I can't find any references that show how this came about. How did they re? Did they retest it? Was there an error in the testing? Did the medical examiner read it wrong? Because we did a case yeah. last week where a toxicologist said that medical examiners are not trained to read toxicology reports. Gotcha. You have to go through a toxicologist, but I would think they did. So we can't, I, I couldn't find any information like clarifying any of this. This just sounds horrible. So this is how many years later? 10? 13. 13 years later, out of the blue, they come up with a new toxicology report. Yes. And the family's like, this makes no sense because the person who supposedly did this one didn't even see the body. And why now? Why 13 it, years right. later and not, you know, 13 years ago? Yeah. I mean, like, what? what's the problem? So two more years passed before <laughs> any answers could come. So by 2019, true crime podcasts are a thing. Thank you, Serial. Right. Remember that one? <laughs> Joining the true crime podcast world with tremendous success was a retired homicide detective named Woody Overton. Now, in Louisiana, if you're into any sort of podcast, not just true crime, you know Woody Overton. Right. Because of his... Po- I didn't know him as a detective. I knew him as a podcaster because he's huge yeah. here. And really, across the country, he... I mean, his podcast has a lot of fame and a lot of followers. Like, he's become so famous, he actually is able to make an entire business out of his podcast. I wonder if he's, like, one of the original ones. He might be, Probably like, kind of joining that. One of the that, starter ones. Because I believe it started with him and a fellow detective just telling stories. Yeah. In Livingston Parish and just yeah. telling stories of cases that he attended and the craziness that goes I on. Totally see how that would make it big. <laughs> yeah. And then the thing with Courtney, I want to say, because I feel like I remember this, her family reached out to him and That's said, right. our daughter was murdered. We are getting nowhere with the cops. Could you just look into this? Because as yeah. a retired detective, you have resources, you have means, you can help us. And he, and I actually have communicated with Woody through Facebook because one of the guys that Sarah and I are friends with he owns a podcast studio called envision he's taught sarah and i a whole bunch and and he's just a really good guy his name's jim he's a producer for woody so this isn't a plug for woody this is just like woody is one of the nicest people and he he is willing to help anyone and he has all sorts of all sorts of shows so if you've ever heard of him look him up i think the current one is called bloody angola that he's doing and there's even more to come but he's known for taking on cold cases and getting arrests because he's a good detective the family reached out to him and he asked them he's like yes but can i document this 
in my podcast? Can we document it? Can we put it out there? Yeah. The first problem he had was the problem that you and I had that 13 years later, y'all magically wave a wand and there's a new toxicology report saying that she died from a, a drug overdose. And- I mean, there's there's two ways that that could have gone. That's like yeah. somebody completely dropped the ball then, and but they were covering it up. Or, yeah. I, I mean, just really, that's kind of the only way they could have gone. <laughs> well, and, and, and Woody and Co- Courtney's mom said the same thing. Like, Courtney didn't place herself in that building in Texas. So yeah. until you tell me who placed her there, right. who put her partially nude in that it building. doesn't matter whether she was. I don't care if she had drugs in exactly. her system or not. Somebody put her there. Exactly. He starts recording and he starts releasing these episodes. And before he knows it, he's getting flooded with tips. He gets one tip that just completely changes the entire course of everything. He has someone that calls in and says, hey, we have these two suspects. One of these suspects has told multiple people that he is the person that murdered Courtney Coco and that the family knows him and that they would be devastated if they knew it was him. Man, somebody always knows. It does. Right. There's always somebody is kind of in cahoots with it. So the witness indicated that suspect one, because there's two suspects, had killed Courtney, wrapped her in her own blanket, stuffed her in the trunk of, of her vehicle and dumped her body in Texas. And we're assuming that like a pillow was placed over her face or Correct. something. She was smothered. Because there was because no there was marks no- on her body. She wasn't strangled. She wasn't shot. She wasn't stabbed. The original toxicology report indicates it wasn't because of drugs. I mean, her her death doesn't look natural. So that's where the conclusion's like, well, maybe somebody put a pillow over her head and and suffocated her. Suspect two stated 16 times that suspect one had killed Courtney and that the family was just going to be devastated when they found out. There's two guys talking about. So there's a witness Mm -hmm. that called in and said, there's two. You need to look into these two guys. These two guys. Like one of Woody off to the side. And these are, there's multiple witnesses who called because it said there were four who signed affidavits gave their testimony and said they were willing to go to court and testify that these people were talking about it yeah so it was that one guy was blaming the other guy for killing Mm -hmm. courtney's family went to the da when woody told him what he had discovered now this is seven weeks seven weeks after he found started He started, yeah, he he found something and the family said, you know what? That guy's been on our suspect list since the day she died. Yeah. He's always been on our radar. They go to the DA in Alexandria and the DA also says that these two suspects have been on our radar. And they told him, actually, there's an arrest that's going to happen shortly but then a few months goes by and nothing happens this is mind-blowing to me yes so family and friends of courtney including woody overton they went to the da's house and they protested that something y'all have what y'all need that's what Woody was saying you have what you need to arrest these people why are you just sitting on it now of course on the other side of that the police were saying we just don't want to get it wrong Mm -hmm. we don't want to arrest someone unless we have all of our eyes dotted and our T's crossed. We just want to put the case together, present it to a grand jury and go from there because we only have so many shots for this. So I remember that. Yeah, because I was thinking that too. But then I in the show, I think it's Woody that says there is no jury in America that would not Mm -hmm. have convicted these people if they were put. So what's the hold up? Okay, so that's kind of where the episode leaves yes. you. And, there has and I'm been, like, what? Are you kidding me? <laughs> there has been huge updates. So let's just update everybody about me the included. murder of Courtney Coco. <laughs> In April of 2021, 45-year-old David Anthony Burns was indicted on second-degree murder charges in the death of Courtney Megan Coco. The indictment alleged that he murdered Courtney while attempting to perpetrate a robbery. October 27th of this week, last week, so today's what, the 20... So it was 
was Thursday. Mm-hmm. Almost 20 years after her body was found. Now, I found this on Yahoo News. Woody, I think on his website, actually shared that he would be attending the trial as well. So yeah. the trial of David Anthony Burns is currently ongoing. So this is what's coming out in court. Who is this man? The witness or suspect number two is a guy by the name of Waylon Durison. He was found in Missouri, arrested and brought in in a homeless shelter. He's been friends with Burns for over 20 years. And he testified that he witnessed Burns smother Courtney. This is where things get crazy because... Durison testified that one night Burns told him that in 2004, he was engaged to Courtney's sister. Oh, no. And him and Courtney started having an affair. Oh, no. Oh, it just gets more crazy. Now, according to this witness in courtroom testimony, he had even bought Courtney a heart-shaped ring as a promise ring, and it was found on her finger. That ring that was described by Durison, the witness, was found on Courtney's hand when she on her body. So she was wearing it. The commission of a robbery is because of this. And I don't have all the details for this, but I'm going to tell you, I'm, I'm going to kind of allege. Courtney's father. Now, I don't know if this is the same father that her two older sisters have, but in the Yahoo article, it kind of indicates that Courtney's father received a very substantial settlement because of a work injury, and he died when she was nine and she was the recipient when she turned 18 she was the recipient of that settlement the assumption i believe what they're trying to say is we think that this guy thought she had a ton of money somewhere in her house because that and that's i could be wrong but because i'm like okay how does the robbery come into place yeah but she was receiving monthly payments like it was to be paid out in installments and in the courtroom i think it was a police officer testified that she was to receive a very large sum of money but but it was going to be in monthly installments. I mean, that's how she was able to afford her house and she paid for college. I mean, at 18, come on, who can get a house? Really? I was thinking about that too. Uh-huh. And I almost asked it. I'm like, man, she's 19 and she bought a house. It all made I mean, clear. it wasn't a very big house, but, but it was who at 18? At 18. Right. Who can afford I was, that? I almost asked you. I'm like, what does she do for a living? <laughs> She was a she was a she was a receptionist. So and I mean, it was 2004. I was like, well, things were a little bit cheaper back then. Mm -hmm. So that could possibly explain the motive for the robbery. Okay, so earlier in the episode, we had kind of questioned how did she decompose so fast? Yeah. Well, they had a professional come on and say, well, if she was put in the trunk of that car in Louisiana, this happened in October. So it could have potentially been still hot hot still yes if she stayed in the trunk of that car for that amount of time it would increase decomposition that makes because sense. of the heat yeah yeah and the closed environment and darkness so, yeah the temperature in coco's trunk would have been well over 100 degrees during the time that she went missing because october does not indicate fall weather in the south i mean it, it can't we may have a couple cool days but we may have like it's muggy as hell I right have now swim in sarah's pool in december for christmas yes so it doesn't it, it, yeah. right that and doesn't, i don't i don't swim unless it's 80 plus like that right <laughs> exactly one of the saddest moments that happened on thursday again this is this past thursday was they did show pictures of courtney's dead body to the jurors okay but they made it known because of course her whole family's sitting there and her mom and family members they did get up and walk out there were some that stayed and apparently it was pretty horrific but so that's where we're at right now the um testimony will continue next week so it That's, is an ongoing okay. case. So, okay. So what about the sister? The sister has never been mentioned. No, they haven't mentioned anything about the sister, but I'm curious if she's going to take the witness she stand. She was engaged to this guy. Yes. Yeah. 
I don't know. That's, that's crazy. That's a crazy story. I and, know. Okay. And then, and then, so then we can just chalk up the whole police thing to incompetence. Yes. I, I mean, I would, I mean, I would you know, argue to say so because it's like, Woody Overton got, now granted, yeah. I get he is a, somewhat of a celebrity down here and like maybe, one of the things he said in, in the show that we referenced is they felt more comfortable coming to him because at the time he was retired, he wasn't an active duty police officer. Like maybe a lot of witnesses feel right. more comfortable going to someone who's not active duty, but I'm just like, I feel like this could have been resolved. I mean, like Way I feel like sooner. with very hard, I mean, you bring everybody in. I mean, it was yeah. the sister's fiance. Yes. And like in the numbers that were dialed from her phone yes. that nobody ever checked into, that's not that hard to figure out who it, those belong to. Do yeah. they match up with this suspect? I it, mean. Right. And then as far I, as her friend Shamika, I mean, that's, there's no resolution for that. I mean, that's just. So that's weird. It's almost like a bizarre I, maybe coincidence. He, just, he saw the thing and he's like, hey, I'm going to throw them off I or something think about that yeah or maybe yeah, she talked to. about it or he was there not yeah. there but like he knew she was struggling through this maybe he thought it would look like a serial killer i don't know or maybe he is a serial killer and he killed her too yeah <laughs> maybe well, i mean we don't know so yeah. it's ongoing um you can that's crazy as there's updates we'll kind of keep an eye out for the updates and um it's so weird because there's so many like different leads almost like you you think well this could happen and this mm-hmm. could have happened and then and it's yeah. almost like I don't know. It's definitely Because when, when we were talking about her best friend and she was saying that mm-hmm. the toxicology report, well, no, she was saying that they she, smoked, they smoked weed, but, but then the, the toxicology report said no. And we get no clear, because they did have, it mentioned in the article that they did have the original medical examiner who is now 88 years old come in oh, and wow. testify. Yeah. Um, And he said, he said there was no, he said under oath in court, there was no substances in her system. So this is just the police being like, I don't want to deal with this anymore. I'm just going to try and close the case. That or them trying to say, hey, we're overloaded with stuff. We don't have the manpower to do this. But this is what I don't understand either. This crossed state lines. Why was the FBI not brought in? And then you have two murders that are similar that could be indicative of unless I mean, there's stuff I don't know. I'm not a cop. That's the thing. We don't know. a lot. Maybe there was maybe there was evidence that they got tested and they know it's not the same like DNA. I don't know. But to me, if it crossed state lines, why would you not bring in the FBI to help get involved in this? I mean, it took a freaking retired detective from Baton Rouge. Who's a podcaster now to solve this. Right. Like what am I missing? So, so he, he was right. Is that who he thought? Yes. And the family. Okay. So they, they, both, all, they and, all knew this. And yeah. just now he got And the family got had been going to the police. So the police were aware yeah. of their suspicions. Yeah. They yeah. knew. They just, and they had been surveilling him. They had been watching him, apparently. But maybe they just didn't have enough evidence. But, yeah. It, you know. But how all of a sudden huh. do we have enough evidence? No, mm, I don't know. No. And then how does a toxicology report play? I, I don't know. Yeah. Who fudged that up? <laughs> right. Yeah. The second one. I'm assuming. Know. I don't know. But um, I will, we'll keep y'all posted on this one. This is a crazy that's one. That's an ongoing one. Yeah. yeah. I wonder how long the trial is going to last. I don't know. I'm a, I'm a, I had on uh, Woody Overton's thing. He said he was going to go down there and like follow the trial. Like he was going to yeah. sit in the courtroom and stuff yeah. and file, follow the trial. So we'll, any updates that come about, you know, we'll. we'll yeah, definitely. We'll definitely know. keep that updated. I'm. I'm, yeah. I'm gonna be tuning in for sure i know to find out what <laughs> happened out it was a crazy happened. one so it's crazy sarah should be back next week mm-hmm. um anna anytime you want to come sit in and let me know yeah <laughs> it was really fun having you today 
All right. Well, thank you all for listening. Thank you.